Welcome to the Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is author Gregory Eric Phillips. Gregory comes from prolific literary family, and he carries on that tradition by writing aspirational stories through strong, relatable characters that transcend time and space, transporting readers into the world of his fiction. His most recent novel, A Season in Lights, won the grand prize in the Somerset Awards and was named the Book of the Year by the Wright Review. His two previous novels, Love of Finished Years and The Exile, each also won major awards. Gregory is also an accomplished tango dancer and musician. In today's conversation, we'll discuss the idea of using fiction to create change in the real world. Welcome to the show, Gregory. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm really going to enjoy this conversation. I know you've got a lot of good ideas to share. Let's start with your novels, Love of Finished Years, The Exile, and A Season in Lights. Can you share with us a little about what inspired each one? Sure. And each one is really very different, uh, even though I think that there's a, a similarity in the types of stories I tell. But um, you know, they're each very unique. Love of Finished Years was my first one. um, And it's a historical novel set around the time of, uh, in the years leading up to the First World War, which I've always found a fascinating time of history. Um, And what inspired that one was mostly the fascination with that time period and the experience of immigrants in New York City around that that time. The Exile is also an immigrant story. So there's a connection between those two, but it's a more contemporary story about a um, Latin American immigrant and the challenges faced, um, you know, by that community. Uh, A Season in Lights, my latest one, is probably my most personal novel yet, uh, because it is about a dancer and a musician living and working off-Broadway in New York City. And I did live in New York for about a year and a half and danced in some off-Broadway shows. And that sort of inspired that story. Um, And of course, being, you know, having the two major characters, one being a dancer, one being a pianist, both of those things that I do, it just, it really was fun to write and felt, um, you know, again, very personal. Mm Is there a theme that you explore in your books or a message that you're trying to impart to your readers? Yeah, there there really is. And the the main thing that I like to do with my stories is to try to put the readers in the shoes of someone that that they may not have shared those experiences. Um, With the first two novels, of course, the the immigrant experience, I really wanted to show, to show that and to perhaps, um, you know, get people to think about it in ways that they might not have in the past. A Season in Lights, it's um, a little bit more, rather than focusing on, you know, a, a social issue such as that, it's more wanting to give people a glimpse of that performer lifestyle. And, my characters, they're not, you know, big time successful performers. They're artists struggling to make a living. And, but to give that backstage glimpse of what it's like, that's what I really wanted to, to show. And then the, 
the novel sort of, it started sort of just as a good story, but then it began to have more of a, of a social message when the COVID pandemic started, because I, I rewrote the ending of the novel to coincide with the events of March, 2020 and the shutdown of Broadway and the, the effect that that had on performing artists, not only financially, but emotionally, psychologically, um, because I know so many people who are, you know, who were so affected by that and careers that were ended, you know, because of that. So that then became more of the message of the book. And, you know, again, just wanting to put people in the mindset of, of somebody that may be very different from themselves. I wonder how many other writers who are working on projects at the time, whether they were books, plays, fiction, you know, short fiction, you know, how many times they had to sort of rethink what they were writing because everything yeah. changed. I mean, you know, I, I had a book come out, a, a collection of short stories that came out in, in May of 2020. And it's kind of like some of those stories, you're thinking, boy, they're so lighthearted or whatever it's like how relevant is that to to what's going on so that yeah. was that hard for you to make that change in, in the novel it for me it was the opposite it was and I had a complete version of this novel and I was actually trying to get it published in 2019 and I'm so glad that the opportunity didn't present itself mm -hmm. because what became the final third of this book it's what this book needed and when I realized that it was, I wrote it, I wrote the final, the new final third of the book in just in a burst. And literally I was writing it in March of 2020 as events were happening. And so it, and then I was careful not to over edit that because Later on, you know, that summer, that fall, as I was going through the editorial process of preparation for publication, I wanted to keep the authenticity of me as the writer and the characters having no idea how the next two years would play out and going so that we can go back into how we were all feeling at the very beginning with that uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see where that makes it challenging from the editing side, you know, when you, when you stop being the writer and you have to look at it objectively and yet you want to keep that, that emotional, that emotional resonance, the, the way yep. things were, because that was, um, it, it was quite a shift for everybody, you yep. know, so totally unexpected. And then your world changes, you know, um, one of the things uh, that really intrigued, intrigued me when I, when I was reading through your blog post, you wrote that reading fiction can broaden one's outlook on the world and humanity, fostering greater understanding and empathy. Nonfiction speaks to readers' heads, while fiction speaks to their hearts. Thus, I truly believe in fiction as an instrument that can change the world. What change do you want to create through your own work? I'll go back to that word empathy. That's, I think, at the heart of, at the heart of it all, more empathy in society would lead to so much healing of 
you know, all the divides that we have, um, and which in the, in the world, in our country, it just seems to be, you know, growing more and more. And empathy is what can bring us together. We'll have different views, we'll have different backgrounds. And so, you know, especially, I think I wrote that blog post when I was um, promoting The Exile, which was the novel about the Latin American immigrant. And, you know, that's where, you know, and I said it earlier, putting a reader in the shoes of somebody that they may not you know, have, have met or experienced. And so that's, I think the change that I hope that my novels can have is just broaden, broaden the empathy in people's hearts so that then, you know, people are more able to come together. That, that is so true. And to be able to do that effectively as a writer, you, you yourself had to have had that kind of exposure to the people that you were writing about to, to make the, uh, the characters real. So what, and you can pick any one of your, your three novels or all of them, it doesn't matter, but how, where did that come from? Like what, it, what in your background made you um, able to bring those specific characters uh, to make them real? Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a very diverse group of friends and acquaintances and have, have had some very um, rich life experiences that I feel have uh, helped me over my life to develop that. I spent uh, a good portion of uh, time during my childhood in Germany um, on, uh, on a farm in a small town. So that really shaped my early years of um, getting to know a different culture and people with a different history. And um, my first novel then was about a German American immigrant during World War One, when the US went to war against Germany. And that dynamic was, was definitely influenced by, by that time. Uh, I'm very connected through my dance to people from all around the world and especially from Latin America. And that then put it in my heart to want to write the story of the exile and, you know, show that experience and what it's like to be, you know, afraid of deportation and all of that, you know, that it's always in you because, you know, I have friends who have, who have faced that and, um, and have shared those experiences. And then a season in lights again, through my dance um, and music background, wanting to show the, the performing artists, which is also an incredibly diverse community and has my, through my own experiences, has broadened my own um, outlook from knowing people from very different backgrounds and with different lifestyles from mine and um, from different parts of the world. So I feel, I consider myself very blessed to have had these broad experiences, which now I can bring into my fiction. Um. You know, one of the things uh, that I thought about when I when I read that and, uh, you know, and, and the idea of empathy is right now we're faced with so many bans on certain types of books or certain subject matters. You know, you've got school districts that because of 
parents or whoever now removing books that would actually educate our children about different kinds of people and, and you know, different, different ways of being. What, what is the danger in, in doing this kind of banning, not only for children, but even for adults? Well, in one sense, the banning itself sheds light on these books. And so on the one hand for, you know, taking them out of the schools to me is, is quite problematic. And it shows something about our society that is, is a problem, but it's also bringing attention to it. And kids, especially, and I'm thinking more like teenagers, gravitate toward what is said that they can't have. These books are still available. You can order them on Amazon. You can find them in, in many libraries where they haven't been banned. And certainly bookstores, in, indie bookstores are you know, promoting these books. So I'm, I'm actually not as troubled by it as, as, some, as some are because, you know, take a book like, um, uh, the Grapes of Wrath, which I think is, is banned sometimes um, in some places. I feel blessed that I actually didn't read that book in school. I read that book when I was in my 20s and I appreciated it. I loved it. Many people who I know read that book in school and didn't like it because it was forced on them. And it's, it's a bit of a tough read. And so I would rather see someone see that that's banned, run out, get the book, read it, love it, than to just plow through it in school. So I have a bit of a different take on it than I think, you know, most. Yeah, that, that is true. You know, as soon as you tell a kid you can't, yeah, they want to. So that's, yeah, I, I think that's good. And, you know, I, I think it's also important to let them read these books because it, these may not be things or topics that are discussed openly in their family. Yeah. So, you know, to, to read them, to gain an understanding, whether it is the historical perspective of what was going on in our country or whether it is something related to current events, um, Again, it comes back to empathy and understanding, because based on where they're living at the time, they may not have that exposure. Yeah. So, you know, and fiction is, is education, really. It is. it is, yeah. And, and it's a challenging education, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It, you know, it, and I think sometimes part of the conversation about banning books is because adults are afraid of these conversations. I mean, I'll, I'll use another um, Steinbeck example that I know is often banned, which is of, of mice and men. I mean, that's a very challenging topic to, you know, to tackle. And I'm saddened that many adults in this country, the ones who do ban these books, are shying away from those conversations. And that's not only doing harm to the children, 
but to to adults. Absolutely, yeah. Um, going uh, in a totally different direction, um, you know. Congratulations that all three of your novels have won literary awards. My question is, does that give you more confidence when you're working on your next book? Or conversely, does it scare you a little bit thinking, what if the next one's a dud and I get nothing? <laughs> you know, both, both depending on my mood that day, I'll be honest. Um, it does give a lot of confidence, though. It gives, it gives some real validation to, to you as an author when you... Um, when you do win an award, especially because as authors, we go through so much rejection. And um, it, so especially when um, Love of Finished Years, my debut novel actually won the, the biggest award of the three. And while it was still a manuscript. So I had been, go, you know, years and years of rejection. And then you know, your confidence is low. You're thinking, well, what's, what's wrong? You know, I think this book is good. And then when it won that, that award, it won the Chanticleer Reviews um, Grand Prize um, in, I think, 2014 or 15. And that then paved the way for it, the publication. Um, and it was just very validating and told me, yes, my, my work is, is worthy of being in print and worthy of being read. So, um, yeah, it, it really helped my confidence and on the day to day when I'm writing, I don't think about, you know, oh, what if this one doesn't live up to it? That for me is more the challenge of my, as an artist thinking, okay, I reached a certain level with my previous book. I don't want to, I don't want the next one to fall short of that. Um, I think of it more of a literary quality than thinking, oh, well, maybe it won't sell or won't win an award. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is, I think that's what people don't understand. It can be so challenging when you, when you think something is good mm-hmm. and then it either gets rejected or it doesn't win a re, uh, an award or something along those lines. And then, because then you start thinking, how good is my judgment? I thought it was good. I thought I wrote these characters really well, or, or even God help us when we read somebody's review, you know, yeah. you get, you get 10, five stars in a row. And then that one star review sort of just nags at you sometimes because you start thinking, are, are they right? You know, maybe it wasn't as good. I mean, it is so hard to maintain that level of confidence. How do, how do you, as a writer, do that when you're working on, on your next project? How do you, if, if you're having a day where you're really starting to question um, your ability to write either a scene or create a, a character as well as you want, how do you keep your confidence level? Well, sometimes I don't, I'll be honest. I mean, sometimes it, you know, I get discouraged and, you know, stop writing for a few days or even a few weeks. It's, you know, that's the reality. Um, or, or trash something that I wrote because I think, well, that's, you know, that's no good. Um, the, the important thing with that is to, To write, even if you don't think it's good, because then you can edit it or 
you know, a few terrible pages will lead to something that's better. And then you can trash the old thing, but you've, you've made it through to something that is, is now okay. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's always, I'm always vacillating between, wow, this is a good story I'm writing. Or who would want to read this? You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a balance that you have to always fight. And, and it's, it's not easy. You know, people think, oh, it must be so easy. You just sit down and write. And it's like, no, I, I don't think so. It's not nope. quite as easy. And especially in your case, because you are writing more serious novels, because um, you are writing about people. You're not writing about people like you. You're trying to, to write about people who are not you. And to do it well, even though you have that wealth of experience and everything, it's it's still, you know, I know in my own writing, I'm always a little hesitant if I think about, well, I should have more diverse characters. I should have, bring in more ethnic aspect to my writing. And unfortunately, given my background, I don't have those experiences. I don't have this broad a uh, group of, of interactions to draw on. And I'm thinking it would be worse to do it and do it, make it like a token, a token representation of a particular ethnic group, age group, whatever. So, you know, I tend to err on the side, admittedly, of caution. If I had, um, if I had the experiences that you had, then maybe I would feel more comfortable, but it's, it's wanting, and I'm sure it's the same way with you. It's wanting to, to do the characters in such a way that somebody reading them is going to say, yes, that reminds me of so-and-so a real life person, or even of myself. That reminds me of how I felt and what I went through when I was experiencing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, I love it when people see themselves in my characters and especially when very different types of people say, oh, that that character reminded me of me. That, you know, that's that means that you got, that the character affected them, that you pulled the reader into that character. And that is, that is always what we're trying to do. Um, your novels have uh, female protagonists. Why did you make that choice? Was there something in your background that made it easier for you to create realistic female characters? Yeah, I get asked that question a lot um, because you're right. All three of my novels have female protagonists, um, as does the one I'm working on right now. Uh, it's It wasn't a conscious choice. It was just something that over time, I realized and was told by you know countless uh, female readers that that I did it well and that they connected well with with my um, my lead characters, and so I I just embraced it and realized okay this is um, something I I feel I do well, and oddly enough I feel like I write female characters better than male characters. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, it just the, I think I'm not, not like a lot of, especially American men. Um, I'm, I'm very different. And in my, in my life, I connect more with 
with women. Most of my close friends are women. And so again, I just embraced it and um, feel like it's an opportunity. I think that's important. And, and you know, I've, I've talked about this a lot with other authors that I've interviewed ab- about this whole idea of, well, men should only write about manly things and women should only write about, you know, domestic things or, you know, women should stick to writing about female characters and men, male characters, because that's what you know. But, um, you know, certainly you, you are a good example of somebody who can cross those lines that there should not be we should not have those kind of rules. We, we should, we should write about whatever it is we can most bring to light and, and make real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to have a well-crafted novel, you're going to have, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have multiple characters. So whether or not your lead is male or female, you're going to have other, um, other people that are, going to be different from your own experiences. Um, one, in one of my novels, there was um, the, the exp- and well, I'll, I'll start by saying, I also rely on people to share their experiences with me um, in a way subject matter um, experts. Uh, for example, in, in The Exile, there was um, a, um, a man who was a parent, but had an infant. And that's not an experience I've had in my life. And so that to me was very difficult to write about his experience. And I talked to, you know, friends of mine who, you know, who are parents and had them read portions of it and they gave me some valuable feedback. And so I feel like there's, there's so many different ways that that could manifest, not just, oh, I'm writing about somebody of the, of a different gender than me or of a different race or a different sexual orientation. Um, there's, you know, in all of your characters, you're going to have something that you don't know that you haven't experienced, but that perhaps somebody in your life has. During the course of, because uh, you just brought this up now, so during the course of working on your novels, do you also rely on people whose uh, opinion that you trust to read portions of it and give you some feedback as to whether or not you're you're hitting the mark or you know to tell you this needs a little more clarity or something do you get like ongoing feedback through the writing i don't i i wait until i have something at least a completed draft um usually usually it won't even be until i've done a second draft that i'll start you know getting getting feedback um because I'm, I'm fairly confident in my, in my uh, it, sort of the storytelling aspect of it in, in getting the story told and critiquing that myself um, at, the, you know, uh, at the initial part. And so I kind of like to keep the creative process personal until I feel like the story is told. Then at that point, I start pulling in my my readers and people who can give me, you know, advice and, you know, perhaps show one person a specific chapter and say, okay, does this, does this resonate? Um, but yeah, I don't really do that in the, um, I don't even like to really talk much about my story when it, even with my close friends, when it's being written, I like, because it's, I don't want other noise to affect where, where it's going to go. 
Are you more of a plotter or a pantser when it comes to writing the novels? Great question. Um, I'm a pantser. It's, I, I start with an idea. I, I usually plot out what will eventually be about the first third of the book in, you know, very detailed. By that point, I have characters who are starting to take things in their own, in their own direction and characters who start making poor choices. And that's when it really gets to be fun because then the characters start to take over the plotting and you just follow them. I, I find that always the most exciting part because um, I know when, I, when I'm working on fiction, you know, some people start with um, an image, a particular setting. Uh, with me, I tend to start with dialogue. So dialogue will just like come out of nowhere. I have no idea who's talking or whatever. And then you start following it. And, and then when the characters really take over, it's like, it's almost like they are telling you the story and your yes. job is simply to transcribe it for the next person to read. It's, it's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you, you know, if you, if you try to rein them in or say, no, 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 I want you to go in this direction. It's kind of, then you start losing something, you know? Yeah. yeah you lose the authenticity, the, the feel that this is a real, um, that this could be real. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what have you learned about yourself through the process of researching and writing your novels? Hmm. That's an interesting question. You know, I think part of what I've learned about myself is to, it kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier of learning to appreciate many of my own life experiences and the different ways that my, my own life, the different paths that my own life has taken. Um, and to, and to value all of that, even times where I maybe, you know, made mistakes in life or, you know, did things that didn't turn out well, all of that is a wealth to draw on for, uh, for writing fiction. And so just, you know, appreciating that, valuing the people that have, you know, come into my life at various times and the, just the weird little things that, you know, caused uh, an interest here or, or there that at the time I would have had no idea I would start to use, you know, this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's always, it's always fascinating when, especially when, when we're writing something and we think, this is all fiction. And then we look at it later and we, we can see the connection between something we experienced or something that someone close to us experienced. And it's mm -hmm. like, I didn't even think about that when I was writing it, but yet at some, at some level, our brain was making that connection because, and, yeah. and it, I think it usually ends up being something that was more of an emotional response than than some other kind of thing. It's it's like if we have a character who who experiences you know great financial setback, mm -hmm. it's it's usually not so much how did that impact them as to where they're now shopping or what they're wearing as it is how did this make them feel about themselves? Yeah. You know, and then we can look back and say, okay, maybe I never, never was, you know, out on the street, 
but there were times when, when financially I was afraid mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh yeah, that's, I can see where, where we went there, you know, yeah. how, how we experienced that or saw somebody else go through it. And it's like, it's like we steal a little bit of everybody's life and mm-hmm. <laughs> knit them into whatever it is that we're working on it at any given point in time. You know, you, t- you talked about the, ex- uh, the, the different experiences you've had and everything. And I was very intrigued with you being not only a dancer, but a musician, uh, because in a sense, those are both kind of very physical things mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of the use of the body, as opposed to writing, which is a little more restricted physically. Do you see an overlap creatively between, say, dancing and writing or between um, playing music and writing? Does it, is there an overlap for you in those two? Definitely. You know, the part of it is the, the creative stimulation. You know, the, the physical side of dancing and music, I don't see as much of an, of an overlap. Um, that's just a... But both of those activities are both um, physically, you know, um, creative and emotional or and um, mentally creative. And so I think especially with dancing, um, you know, when I will create and choreograph a dance, very similar in process to creating a scene in a novel. So I think dance more than music because I don't compose music. I just play music. And so the, the, the creative process is different for me with music, whereas dance, I'm always creating um, and same with writing. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also the discipline um, because they all take the discipline to get it right, to keep practicing until you get it right. And to some extent, we do that with our writing. Absolutely. And, you know, that's probably where the parallel of the music comes in more because, you know, you, you write your first novel, you, you don't know what you're doing yet. You just like you start playing piano or violin and your first few years, you're not going to be good. You're not going to play at a, play a concert right away. And I think people sometimes expect their first effort at writing to become their, their masterpiece. And it's not, I mean, I certainly did when I first wrote my, wrote, started writing novels, but you know, it took years, you know, it can take decades of practicing, working on your craft as a writer, just like you would practice uh, to learn an instrument. And I think a lot of newer writers don't necessarily appreciate that, um, what it's going to actually take to learn to be a writer. And, and I think also um, when when you're comparing um, music to writing, uh, one thing I, I do a lot of when, when I've when I've written something is then I read it out loud. You know, I let let some time go and then I read it out loud. And you can tell when something is flat, just like in music, you can tell when a note is wrong. You know, it, it's like you hear it and you almost instinctively fix it. You, you change a one syllable word to two syllables, or you change one where the accent is on the second syllable versus the first, because almost musically, it sounds better when you're saying it out loud. Is that a similar experience for you? 
Yes, yes. And especially with dialogue, because a lot of um, a lot of dialogue until you read it out loud, you don't realize that, oh, this isn't how people talk. And so reading your own written dialogue out loud, I, I find extremely helpful to um, and like you said, it almost self-corrects because when you're speaking it, you can tell, okay, this is how I would speak it. So that's how the character should speak it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than when you're in the middle of writing uh, a dialogue and you've got those little auto-correct things that say, well, no, you can't use that word, but it's like, but that's how we talk. You know, we do not speak proper English you know, we, and depending too on the character and the background and everything, how they speak is how they speak. And it's, it's not always, you know, as they say, the King's English, but it's real in, you know, it's, it's real communication. Exactly. Yeah. I often turn the autocorrect off when I'm, when I'm writing, because I don't, you know, I, I don't want it. Any grammatical mistakes I'll fix in editorial, but, um, but yeah, especially for dialogue, you know, you, you want it to sound like people sound. Exactly, exactly. Well, I always like to leave this question for last because um, because it's just a good way to to end end a show. What is your definition of success, and how will you know if you've reached success in your literary career? So, I'll give two portions of what I consider success. One is feeling like you've created a beautiful work of art with your, with your novel. And if you have, then you should be, you should be happy. You should be, um, be pleased with that. The, the second one is that if, if your book has an impact on anyone, any reader, then you've been successful. And, you know, I haven't had, you know, I mean, my, uh, my first novel was an Amazon bestseller. So I've had some, some good, you know, it's, I've sold, I'm, I'm pleased with how they've sold, but they haven't been, you know, New York Times bestsellers or anything yet. But all three of them have, people have told me that they've impacted them, that they've impacted their lives. And to me, that is the best validation as an author. That is success as a writer. And, and that that to me is more valuable than any of the awards, any of the sales numbers, anything like that. It's, it really is making that connection with the reader, yeah. having the reader say, you know, I can relate to that. You, you get me. You, you, have, you have written how I have felt that maybe I was never able to verbalize to people. Yeah. So, you know, certainly, I mean, money comes and goes, awards come and go. There's always going to be somebody who's going to get more awards than, than you. But when you make that connection, and, and I think that is, you know, we write first to understand something maybe mm -hmm. ourselves. But then if that's the only reason why we wrote, we wouldn't go through all the heartache of publishing and getting it out there. We really want we really want to make that connection with the reader and say this is this is what I feel this is this is what my characters have gone through and and does it connect with you and and I think I think you're right if if even we only hear from a few people because 
readers may love our work, but they're notoriously bad at telling us that. Yeah. But, you know, even if even if we only hear back from a few people, sometimes that's all it takes mm -hmm. to let us know that, you know, that we're on the right path. We we did a good thing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, I, I am looking forward to when the next book I'm I won't ask you anything about it because you said you don't like to talk about it. Uh -huh. So we won't ask you anything, but um, I wish you a lot of continued success with your writing. And, you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, you took the time to talk with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for being part of the show. And thanks to everyone who joined us here at Living the Writing Life.